Belonging Transform podcast series. My name is Natalia Oropesa. I am Chief Cybersecurity Officer and Chief Diversity Officer at Siemens AG. And I am your host today. Today's topic is inclusive language and how it creates belonging. A sense of belonging is critical to our life satisfaction, happiness, mental and physical health. When we experience belonging, we feel seen, valued, heard, and included. We feel accepted and supported by colleagues. We feel motivated and engaged. And we feel empowered to be the best version of ourselves. Joining us today, we have Kim Clark, a diversity, equity, inclusion, communication educator and consultant at Ragan Consulting Group. Kim recently supported us at Siemens to help produce a very comprehensive, inclusive language guide. So with that, welcome, Kim. Happy to have you here. How are you today? I am so well and excited for this conversation. It's good to see you again. So, Kim, let's jump straight in. Firstly, can you explain, please, to our listener what we mean by inclusive language? Yeah, there's there's a lot of misconceptions and misnomers around what inclusive language is and it isn't. So let me tell you what it is. Inclusive language or inclusive communication, it embraces language that is free from judgments or stereotypes, reinforcing stereotypes, especially negative ones, or subtle discrimination like microaggressions and negative messaging. So inclusive communication, it mitigates biases, it avoids slang and expressions that can discriminate against groups of people For example, we are putting a value on a certain group over another, and that creates a power dynamic that is not inclusive language. That's what we're trying to correct. Uh, It also provides room for self-identification, like pronouns, for example, and it has a lot of flexibility. The Linguistic Society of America has a definition of inclusive language, so I'll share a piece of it. Acknowledges diversity, conveys respect to all people, is sensitive to differences, and it promotes equal opportunities. Gender-neutral language, for example. We want to use team. We want to use engineers. We want to use terms that incorporate gender where it doesn't necessarily belong. So if I'm going to interview you as a leader, now, if I'm a women's conference, I may want to say, as a woman and as a leader, X, Y, and Z, here's my question. But if I'm not a women's conference and you and I are just talking, I want to talk to you as a leader. Your gender isn't necessarily the thing that I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on your skill set as a leader. So we have a tendency to kind of insert gender where it doesn't necessarily belong. So we need uh, inclusive language really helps us with that intentionality. We also want to avoid any kind of language in the workplace that has a problematic history. And I can get into some examples of that later, as well as cultural appropriation. I had mentioned microaggressions. But inclusive language isn't always just like this feel-good, you know, warm hug. It still has candor. We're still calling a thing a thing. We're going for accuracy. So, for example, you mentioned that I uh, worked with the team at Siemens around an inclusive language guide, which I recommend every organization has an inclusive language guide for so many reasons. And and here's one, that process in putting together the inclusive language guide, 
we heard from the uh, employee focus group this term digital native as it was showing up on a lot of job descriptions coming from Siemens. So we had a really good conversation around what is digital native and is that inclusive language? Because we want to make sure that our job descriptions obviously are gender neutral and are inclusive in their language. Well, digital native is a description, but it's also used as a metaphor, and it, but it has a couple of issues. So it's seen as age discrimination to workers 40 years or older and more so for 50 years or older. So there's this assumption that if you're at a certain age, you don't have certain technical skills. So to be more inclusive, we are looking at capability regardless of age. And it's also using a term, the native part, Using the term native in any context outside of Native Americans and indigenous cultures, that's an example of I was talking about earlier of cultural appropriation. Yeah. Now tell me, Kim, why is it important and why is now becoming more and more important? Why is it? Well, because we are in an age that we need to be more intentional with our language. So language is the medium through which attitudes and behavior are influenced, and our behavior needs to reflect a workplace of belonging. So the first question when we're talking about belonging, which is critical to Siemens and the workplace, is to whom does our space belong? Language controls who owns that space. That's a key word for me. I mean, belonging and, and you know, belonging transforms is the strategy of Siemens for inclusion, equity, and diversity. And so give me a couple of examples on how this language can create this sense of belonging that enables all of us to unleash our full potential. Well, inclusive language really helps us avoid microaggressions. It helps us understand when we are using language is actually placing a value on somebody or a group of people and we're putting other people down. So microaggression. So some examples would be, hey, you know, uh, hun, sweetie, you're just a kid. Where are you really from? Where are you from and where are you really from? I mean, you yourself are, you're from Mexico and you're living in Germany and you probably get that kind of question a lot. And it can feel exclusionary. Also jargon. We are creating in the workplace an in-group and an out-group by, by using acronyms and jargon that if somebody who's outside of our group doesn't know what these acronyms are, we're too embarrassed to ask. There's no glossary to go look it up. <laughs> you know, and, there's, and, and here in the U.S., we have lots of colloquialisms. So if I'm in a meeting and I'm talking about we're in the game of inches or we're talking, I'm talking about putting lipstick on a pig. What does that mean to you as somebody who's from Mexico and living in Germany? And, you know, so I could be leaving you out by creating language that you have to be on the in group in order to understand. And this is a real threat for psychological safety within our teams when innovation is so critical to our business success. Absolutely. I think I think so. You are completely right now. Help us and give us some advice because I also see the other extreme. People getting worried about writing correctly and then talking correctly, you know? So the good news is, is that people want to do the right thing. And that unfortunately leads us to this place of 
perfection rather than progress. So a lot of people will freeze and not say anything at all. Well, I can't say that. Oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing. And it's coming from a genuine place. And that is fantastic. (laughs) Right. And we need to unfreeze and it's going to take practice. And we need to foster that learning environment to give each other grace because we're going to make mistakes. I do this for a living and I make mistakes frequently. Right. So there's a humanity here that we have to give each other the opportunity to make mistakes. So we got to build up the skills, clean up our company language and understand. Oh, here's here's an example. So Lizzo, you're familiar with the singer Lizzo. So she has new music out and there's a term that she was using in one of her songs. It was spaz. And people in the UK said that is a pejorative of people with disabilities in the UK. Well, Lizzo is from the US and it's not possible for her to know all the pejorative uses of terms all over the world, right? So there's language that's nuanced across different regions. She received the feedback and she changed the lyric and said, I changed the lyric. And then there was more pushback. How could you not know that? How could you have done that? We have a limited experience from which we are coming from. So if somebody has the opportunity to learn an, a, an alternative way that creates more belonging for the people that we're trying to connect with, because communications is just about connection. We're trying to connect in communication. That's the point, right? Right. And then if somebody makes a mistake, but they didn't know it was a mistake, and then they learn from that moment and correct it and do better, isn't that what we're asking of people? Yeah, absolutely. I always say that it takes two for tango, and inclusion is a two-way street. So I think that it is also very beneficial if people start to give and feedback each other about what they hear and what they think and feel they hear. And uh, so that we don't go as well into a complication of having to follow rules and then be, um, let's say, afraid of not being completely correct. I think that we have to communicate with all our senses, we have to look into the people's faces and, and watch and then ask whether whether they are okay with that and, and, and so on and so forth. So inclusion is not just a matter of being correct with the language, but inclusion is about making sure we listen and we include the ideas of the others and we make them feel respected and unleash the sense of belonging. You know, the, the other day, we, we are normally comment on this from the English language perspective. But in other languages like mine, for instance, Spanish, where if you, if you want to be correct, then you will have to add, if you talk about engineers, then you will have to say ingeniero for men and ingeniera for female. So somehow the somehow similar to the German uh, language and then the other day I saw a, a newspaper release and they were trying to explain how difficult it will be and complicated if they want to make a message with this gender sensitivity you you couldn't understand the text anymore because so many are, are or you know, female colleagues and male colleagues, but in, translated into Spanish or German, it was a mess. And I think that 
is also not the case and not the intention. Well, you're absolutely right. It, it's not inclusive language is for all languages and, and especially languages that have gender built into the language. It's a particular debate, right? But again, what's the vision here? What are we trying to get to here? Now, just a couple of years ago, the word of the year by the dictionary here in the U.S., Merriam-Webster's dictionary, was they. Because to your point, we could be saying, okay, we're going to be more gender inclusive and we're going to write this policy and it's going to have she, him, all throughout him, him, her. And if that's a lot of him and hers. So they. So our language is evolving. And that's what language does, is it evolves to be appropriate in recognizing where we are and where we're going in us as a society. And so we are in the language evolution of belonging right here in this moment of history. I like to emphasize on two things you say. The number one thing that you say is let's remember what's your goal. And we are interested in creating belonging and therefore foster inclusion. Second thing you say that I, I like very, very much is you say we are evolving and adapting. And I think... That goes back to my question before, why is that sensitive language important now? It, it was not before. Yes, I agree, it was not that difficult before, but now we are have a society that is evolving and understanding that words and the language have an impact in how the people behave and how do they communicate. Now, give me some specific recommendations for our leaders, the ones that are listening. All right. So one of the things I would definitely say is have a team meeting and say, look, folks, we have an inclusive language guide here and hopefully you do. And if you don't, we, you need one. So you say inclusive communication is a part of how we are living our company values in this respect of our colleagues, regardless of any kind of identity that they have, <laughs> where they are in the rank of our hierarchy, right? This is about respect and human dignity. And I want to continue to evolve and have better language. And so when I, when, not if, when I mess up, I want you to call me in. Now, a lot of people, when a microaggression has said, you know, the options are you say nothing and then there's a super uncomfortable silence. Have you been in one of those meetings where it's like somebody says something and it's really uncomfortable, especially if there's like a VP or an SVP in the room? It's like power dynamic kind of kicks in. So that's one option. Another option is this calling out where it just like gets so bad. Somebody just lashes out and it comes out sideways. That could be counterproductive to our goal. The other option we have is calling in. An example of calling in is asking somebody to repeat. Maybe they'll all hear themselves. Like, what was that? Pardon me? You know, so there's a whole body of work where we have these options where we can help our leaders hear themselves and take the learning. So whoever is appropriate to come to the leader and say, I want to let you know when you said this, it had this kind of an impact I don't think that was your intention, but you need to know that this was the impact. And so the leader gives that permission up front, has that meeting saying, I want to learn. Let me know when I get it wrong, because this is about respect <laughs> and being our best. And our language leads to that behavior. And this is what it looks like to live 
into our uh, company values. And I want to role model that. That is our responsibility as leaders. And definitely don't be defensive and don't start off by saying, well, it was just a joke. Okay. So that adds more injury to the wound, right? It makes things worse. So coming from a place of, you know, I want to respect you. I want to be accurate in how you identify. Now, here's another interesting question. What if someone else is wrong? Should I say something as a leader? What What's your recommendation on that? If that's appropriate in the way that the person will receive the learning in the way that we want them to. So typically if a microaggression, for example, occurs, we're seeking an apology. That's really what we're seeking. We're not necessarily seeking for that person to get fired or whatever, right? So we're just, we're looking for that learning opportunity. So some somebody on your team may go to you and say, hey, can you talk to so-and-so because they keep asking me these inappropriate questions or they keep misgendering me or whatever it is. That could be one option. Another option is that the person goes to them direct. So it doesn't always have to be a going up, you know, a managing up. It can be. If there is psychological safety across the team, then there can be a healthy conversation across colleagues and peers. But there is a time and place where we need to go and and bring it up to another level. Now, if you are running a, a team meeting, you're in charge of the meeting and a microaggression or something inappropriate is said, if that's the appropriate time and place for everyone to benefit from learning because you have a social agreement that we're going to learn from our language, then it's like, you know, hey, heads up, you were talking about we're going to have a powwow on Tuesday. We actually don't need to bring in Native American culture to talk about us getting together on Tuesday. We can just say we're going to get together on Tuesday. And then it's said, it's done. Everybody takes it in and you move on. Okay. So this is a journey and we are learning on that. And I could uh, learn and talk with you forever on this topic, but I think we will have to kind of go slowly to the end, Kim. So just some more takeaways from today is that I heard to create a connection, to honor your colleague's dignity and make that space for belonging. Physiological safety is among all the amazing benefits of an inclusive culture. Other takeaway is language leads to behavior. We will make mistakes, yes. Yes, take the learning and apply it. Growth mindset doesn't have a destination. Never finish. Language evolves, and so do we to create safety in our for our colleagues. Inclusive language is a decision, one that we can make at every moment. Like everything, it takes practice, so stick with it, and everyone will benefit. So, Kim, your final words. You know, we all think that we're super nice and we're pretty rad, so let's actually be that <laughs> in our language, you know? So, Learning when we get it wrong is part of building that trust and reputation with our colleagues. Kim, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been wonderful to learn more about the power of language and the importance that uh, it has. We are so grateful 
to you for helping create our inclusive language guide. It was only launched a few weeks ago, but the feedback from our people so far has been extremely positive. So once again, thank you, Kim. And finally, to all our listeners, please join us. Let's continue to play our part to build a fair world where everyone can belong and thrive. And thank you for listening. And until next time, stay safe and well and goodbye.